everyone and welcome to Fem on TV. It is Fem on co-host Ria here. I'm taking over Fem on TV for this episode. I am talking to a guest that I'm very excited to talk about. She is a work colleague and a friend. I hope I'm allowed to say that. But also she's just so much fun to talk to on top of being just like incredibly smart. And she has chosen just an amazing TV show to talk about. I've been excited about this all week. So we are going to be talking about Derry Girls, all three seasons, which is a uh, sort of sitcom, teen sitcom, I guess, although I don't think it necessarily is, even though it's just about, you know, the main protagonists are teenagers, written, written by Lisa McGee. And basically... I have not spoken to many people about this TV show. The lovely Dave from Comics in Motion, who hopefully you all know of, has watched all of it, loves it, and we've sort of talked about it. But he couldn't really talk about it to me too much because I hadn't seen season three. And now I'm getting to talk about it and I've been able to binge watch it over the last week. And I'm pretty certain this is one of the greatest TV shows ever made. It makes me laugh. It makes me cry. It's It's... A wonderful blend of comedy and seriousness. And it's, I think it's an important show in terms of showing what it was really like, obviously, in a sitcom sense, to be in Derry in the 90s, but also about being a teenage girl at that time. And it's got so much commentary on religion, on women and girls. And it's also just really important, I think, for as an English person, that these stories are told. As an English person, I love this show because it takes the piss out of us constantly. And not only is that hilarious, but I think in terms of Ireland, Northern Ireland and the Troubles, we deserve to have the piss taken out of us and a lot more taken out of us. Like, I feel like... I mean, we're a bunch of shits and this show doesn't hide from that, but it does it in the best way. It's not alienating. You know, it, it includes everyone in the story, but it doesn't shy away from some of like the really terrible things that happened, as well as being one of the funniest shows on TV. Like it has me crying with laughter almost every single episode. Anyway, I'm talking loads. I was trying to not do that in the intro because I was talking about my wonderful, wonderful guest, Rachel, who is a fantastic human being. Rachel, hello. Thank you for choosing this. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much, Ria. What an introduction, not just for moi, but for uh, Derry Girls. Lisa McGee is probably somewhere just crying with happiness right now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, no, th- thank you for the introduction. This is obviously my first podcast interview, so be gentle with me. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm super excited to talk about Derry Girls also. Although I'm not a Derry girl, I am a girl from the north of Ireland or Northern Ireland, uh, depending on religion you are. And it's mm. Derry, stroke London Derry, or as people say in shorthand, they call it stroke city. So it, uh, yeah. I I I I love the show so much because so few. In fact, I can barely think of any shows where northern people get the Northern Ireland accent where they're not doing hi now, Brian Kai, you know, like floor, sure. Whereas this so many people I know 
from home were nervous about watching the show. I saw the promo and I kind of rolled my eyes thinking, I'm not sure about this at all, because very few people get it right. And I think Lisa McGee would say herself, the people who are hardest on people from Northern Ireland are other people from Northern <laughs> Ireland. Uh, and and I watched it with uh first episode with my flatmate in London, who's from Derby. And she obviously knows me very well, my sense of humour. And she says, oh, I'll give it a go. Within minutes, I laughed more than I've laughed in many, many years. It takes a lot to make me laugh. The main people who really make me laugh, I laugh, but not to the point where of hilarity where I actually think I'm going to wet myself and I can't breathe. <laughs> and, um, and that's generally my family. My family is are the funniest people I know, but also you are basically seeing my family in the Derry Girls. I, I, I And also my community. Every single person is a real person. Like genuinely, even down to Uncle Colm, who's the biggest bore in the world, you know, and, you know, we, we talked about it the other night in the, uh, with aunties and cousins and blah, 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 the usual. And uh, each of us knows an Uncle Colm and we all actually said the same name of a certain person. <laughs> it was like, you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's just an awesome show that for once when you turn on the TV, it's not something negative. Mm-hmm. That's so, so important. And also, it's is it is it an honest portrayal? Yeah, it is. You know, I'm 40, coming 41 this year. I, I was a teenager at the same time. I went to an all-girls Catholic school. Uh, their uniforms were actually nicer than ours. Mine was a black and white tartan skirt down to my ankles. Yeah, definition of a uh, sexy. Um, <laughs> yeah, people couldn't see the face I just made then. <laughs> no, no, I know. Yeah, look it up, Our Lady's Grammar School. Uh, so yeah, the first couple of years you were like a pinafore. I think it's from year seven to year nine. And then as soon as puberty hits, the nuns wanted to put you in as much clothes as possible to, you know, make you look like a Victorian woman uh, so that your skirt's down oh, to your ankle. Wow. Hide you from hide you from the boys. Uh, uh, yeah, I were... just Googled it and it's like a really long black and white tartan skirt, long sleeved shirts underneath with a high collar and a tie and then long sleeved yep. black jumpers over the top. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they have chosen the most shapeless uniform yep. Yep. ever. Yeah. And like I was half the size then that I am now, and I looked like a balloon. <laughs> you know, it's just I looked like a balloon. But um, but we we had all of that. You know, we I had we didn't have a boy in our school, but any time there was any sniff of a male, even if it was a tomcat, you know, all the girls were like, what heat um any male teacher that was remotely attractive <laughs> they were treated like an adonis like an italian stallion um so i can only imagine 
I think you asked me the other day about James and about whether that would actually happen, whether it would have happened in the 90s. Would a young Catholic Englishman, sounds like an oxymoron, mm-hmm. um, have been in our school? No, my school wouldn't because they were so terrifyingly strict. I, I could envisage, envisage it in other schools though and would he have got a doing yeah he probably would have um there were too many visitors coming to see us anyway in the 90s so you know uh so uh, they they have got that bit of it right too the yes the troubles happened yes we lived through them i was lucky enough that i lived in a predominantly nationalist catholic area so i was kind of in a protected little bubble but there was a bomb in my town when i was Seven, I think I was. Yeah, I was seven. And the front of all my, the windows in my house got blown out and yeah, and stuff. But like that is so minuscule in the sense of what has happened to other people. So there's that dark side to it, obviously. And that's all you guys get to see, uh, particularly in England. And, mm-hmm. you know, people always are like, oh, you're from Northern Ireland and you're Irish. And I'm yeah um what about the troubles so, uh, what bit <laughs> what bit do you yeah. want to know about it wasn't just like a year by the way it went on no. for a very long time exactly but, but exactly. you know why and this is one of the reasons I love the show because I, and I've had this rant on other podcasts before because English history is bullshit we like to focus on like the Tudors because we seem to think that was our glory mm. days you know we like to focus on William the Conqueror because hey conquering things but I mean, it may have changed. I'm the same age as you. I'm 40. I'm going to be 41 this year. And hopefully it's changed. But something like this would never have been taught when I was at school, even though it was actively happening. And Uh it had been happening for years and years and years. It never would have been taught because we aren't the good guys in this situation. And... You know, and which they address so much to the show. Michelle constantly is just like, you guys are a bunch yeah, of pricks yeah. like the English are pricks and it's true and what I love about this show is that it it's I do genuinely think this show is educational in those terms it shows mm. the real life impacts that it shows that the girls specifically so uh I'm presuming anybody listening to this have, has watched the show but if you haven't if you haven't go and immediately watch it and stop yeah. listening we will also be doing lots of spoilers so there's five main characters of the teenager there's Erin, her cousin Orla, and then Claire, and then Michelle, and then James, who is Michelle's cousin. He is English, and he comes over from London. He gets put in the all-girls school because they're worried he's going to be beaten up in the boys' school. Um, And it's just, it's genuinely just about their daily lives of being 16, 17-year-olds, 18-year-olds by the end, in Derry, drawing the troubles and there's just this wonderful thing about they just have to go on with their normal lives no matter what's going on around them and they are still teenagers so they have all these tiny teenage problems but there's a whole world that's going on around them that they've just absorbed as human beings and we only get the impact of that at the end of season three which just brings me to tears every time it's such a it's so hopeful and empowering as somebody who hasn't been through anything that these teenage Mm. girls have been through all these adults have been through I watched that episode and I feel like I can change the world 
and I, <laughs> wow. I do like I really yeah, it's so yeah. powerful that ending yeah. and and I think that's what's wonderful about this show it and I I mean I feel wrong saying this because it you know this is not my experience my history of this is terrible I had to educate mm-hmm. myself as it as an as a grown-up with a friend from yeah. Belfast who was like like teenage shit happens like a lot of shit <laughs> happened when I was a teenager For and, sure. and I think this show walks the fine line between oh. comedy and what life was really like and the seriousness of the situation yep. and I I think that's extraordinary my it's my favorite above everything it's my favorite thing about the show I remember watching uh there's a quote from Steel Magnolias that Dolly Parton says her character says laughter through tears is my favorite emotion and that is my favorite emotion and Mm. it is so hard to do it right and Lisa McGee has turned it can turn on a penny you know, she's the, I think it's the final one of episode two where um, Orla is up on stage and she's doing uh, her exercise, well, her step up. And all the girls kind of have to join in, including the wee gay English fella. And um, then it then it cuts to the Oma Bomb. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that day. I'll never forget that day. 15th of August is actually... Um, uh, a holy day for Catholics. And so um, I, so in my town, the 15th of August, as there are a lot of towns across Northern Ireland, particularly my town, it's a day where everybody comes to visit. There's amusements in our town square. There's like, you know, tombolas, all that kind of vibe. There's usually music. Pubs are pretty full. <laughs> and um and I had just got my GCSE results, I think it was that day, or did A-level results come out? One or the other anyway. It was a big day for, for lots of different reasons. And then news of the Oma bomb came. And it was, it was I was having the banter with my pals that morning. Uh, you know, we were all probably going on the drink, you know, trying to see who would get us a, a carry out of hooch or, yeah, or reef or whatever the hell it was at the time. And that was our priority. And then that happened. But but that is why it works so well, because there is this terrible underbelly to it. And it's it's there. But people here live through it. People in Derry had it pretty fucking bad. I didn't. But what I did have in the school, the grammar school I went to. Sorry, can I curse? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, okay. By the way, this, right. first of all, this is a sweary podcast. But second of all, this is a sweary show. So I think it, it would is. only be okay. fair to swear. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, happy <laughs> fucking days. Uh, um, as Michelle would say. But mad things like I, my school, massive school, I don't know how many of them, it was just under a thousand, but it was all girls. And I'll add to it, I went to an all girls primary school as well. So that was fun with nuns, nuns the whole time. Uh, yeah, I've been in counselling. I think it's been um, 10 years. No, no, no. <laughs> but not for that. Um, but we used to, when there used to be, there used to be a lot of bomb scares. The buzz was, will you get out of school? Will you get a day off? Not the, and this was like 13, 14. You didn't think of the big picture. Mm. You know, it was just life. And I was like, 
please God, please God, get me out of Spanish. Please God, get me out of maths, you know. <laughs> and sometimes, sometimes it did happen. Normally, usually an hour or two, and usually it was it was always a hoax, thank God, um, from where I was. But there, there is a lot of that. But um, it's funny, you know, you say that about what we thought about the English it was true. It absolutely it was true. Fantastic. So all the stuff, but but I think I think you know, although it's across the water, there are really different dynamics that I've experienced, particularly about family connections. So, mm. like you will hear me, or anybody who knows me will be saying, "Oh, you know, where were you this evening? Oh, it was down in my auntie Barbara and Uncle George, or oh, I'm up." And we call my family just collectively they're my ones but if I'm talking to a cousin I will say you know our ones so mm-hmm. my ones are ones that that's you know that's how we describe it and that kind of tableau of granda joe jerry the mommy the auntie you know the cousins like my granny and my auntie and my um cousin all live together and then next door my other auntie or husband my cousin and their houses although they were um attack um although they were separate houses the we used to go round the back like it was if, if you knock it may as well knock down a bloody wall because everybody was always in everybody else's house and so you were never really you always had parental supervision and coming from a small town like I remember the first time I had a drink and I I am Claire. <laughs> if you're gonna be honest about it, what characters are me? I'm kind of half mostly Claire with some of the pretension and delusional thoughts of Erin. Yeah, same here. I I wanted to be Michelle. I know. honestly so I badly. still want to be so Michelle. I, I watch yeah. I want to be Michelle with a little bit of Orla. I think we all need a little bit yeah. of Orla in us. But yeah, I'm yeah. saying I was I was unfortunately mostly Claire with yeah. a little bit of Erin yeah. grand dreams and yeah. saying really pretentious things that are incredibly cringy. <laughs> oh, absolute cringe balls. Makes me want to cry. Um no, <laughs> I, I love one of the lines where uh what, what do they call Claire? You're a walking shake the cacks. And I honestly, you know, it's just, just perfect. Just perfect. Because that's what I was. A cack attack, you know, <laughs> constantly were. But the, what I was going to say to you was the first time I ever had a drink, it was this fella who was way too old to be knocking around with us 13-year-olds, like creepily so. But anyway, he bought us a couple of cans of Stagger. Do you even remember Stagger? Exactly. A couple of cans of Stagger, some German lager. What? I had never even tasted it. And we went to the public toilets in the town park in the centre of the town. And I had about three sips, but pretended I was plumbed uh, just because I was freaking out. And uh we it was me and my cousins of course all of us with the gang so I have a load of cousins and there's a group that are team old and then there's team young so I'm part of team old and very fucking old now I tell you and we ended up going to the toilets and drinking these two cans of well I drank like one maybe two cans walked out of the park walked around the seafront where everybody used to kind of go and hang out and stuff and my auntie, Barbara, 
who's <laughs> mad, uh, pulled up with a load of my other aunties in the car. And there was a gang of us and she pulled up. And I literally, I just knew it was her before she even pulled up. And it like a screeching halt. What the fuck are you playing at? And I was like, oh my God. And she goes, I can smell drink coffee. And I'm like, 10 feet away. Get over here. What are you playing at? You know, and it was kind of like that. Um, I want to be an individual, but not my own. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that kind of anxiety with her. Like, I, I wanted I, I wanted to be able to say no, but that was never going to happen. So, yeah, I got stuck into the drink. But, yeah, so so Dairy Girls, there is there are so many levels of accuracy. And every plan we had was masterminded by my cousin, Naomi, who uh, oh, looks so like Michelle, but had blonde hair. She looks so like Michelle and she was disastrous like Michelle. So do you know the way Michelle always gets you into that sort of, you know, you never know where she's going to lead the guys. And a lot like, why would you lift a whole notice board? Oh my God. And the post-it notes with the job adverts. Like why? That's the sort of shit my cousin would have pulled. You know? Michelle, like. There's so, uh, let's actually talk about the characters. There's something around community I want to talk about. I'm going to sure. mark that for later. But let's let's talk about the characters. Let's get into it. So, well, let's start with Erin, who is our main protagonist, who, you know, I feel like Lisa McGee has, you know, is very much who she was. And Erin's, she's very <laughs> pretentious. She's <laughs> she's very vain and she's very self-centred. Mm-hmm. But you still love her because yeah. that is what sixteen-year-olds are like. Yeah, and that's I love true. that they don't shy away from that. That you know, it it's when <laughs> it just seems like so in series three when her mum goes to university and Erin's like, I wanted to be the first one to go to university. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe yeah. you're taking this away from it. And all the other characters are like, seriously. Yeah, come on. You know, support like, your mom. Yeah, but I I love that that is the essence of a sixteen year old, right? They're I know. so so self involved, and that's true. and that's fine. Like, but I love you know. I think it's good to show that that you can be a self involved sixteen year old, but still be a good person. She really is a good person. Mm, true, you know, and they all are really good people. Oh, that's they are. What I like that's what I love. Like every single character is a good person but a flawed three-dimensional person mm-hmm. and I think that's what makes this so special only over three seasons they mm-hmm. do that and like in other shows that would be like 10 seasons there's only six or seven episodes in each season and sure. so I think that character writing is just absolutely amazing and then we've got Orla Erin's <laughs> <laughs> cousin oh man <sighs> and Orla Orla what would be the best way to describe Orla? Oh God, uh, off the wall, <laughs> uh, kind of certainly her, very much her own person. Uh, <laughs> just I, I love her because you never know what she's going to come out with, and she's she's just unabashedly herself. You know, I I love it because you know that episode where they're getting arrested. Uh, you know, after stealing, well, assisting with a robbery. <laughs> And she goes, Kev, go your gun, you know? Yeah. And everybody else is bricking it, thinking, you know, we're Catholics arrested by, you know, the police will never be seen from again. And Orla's like, oh, that looks like fun. 
or you know just it's even with the potatoes the, the what oh the, the crisps. crisps yeah the guns so uh, good oh genius and, and she so the actress louisa harland does the best background acting all is always doing something, something. a bit random in the background yeah. i was watching one of the episodes today and she's just like she's got like a a sweet or a lollipop or something she's just uh-huh. yeah she's just like chomping away in it in the back like she just never stops. i just think she's so good yeah. and then we've got claire who you and i really oh, really like, too. yes who's who's very studious yep. um Tick. yeah <laughs> definitely think she's the cleverest of them all and it is in terms of um, you know mm-hmm. like grades and stuff like that but maybe more like common well, sense yes no. com- yeah yeah and less common sense and not maybe as worldly and she's easily intimidated and she loves authority which mm-hmm. is you know yep yeah, episode that's one funny. yeah yep. Claire I think before I lost a little bit of respect for you yeah. <laughs> that's so much um and really importantly and it's handled so well at the end of season one she comes out as gay as a lesbian and then there's no big deal about it for the rest of the season, which I just love. In fact, in season three, there's the most wonderful scene about her parents when they're at yeah. their reunion and an outside character from Canada, not America, Canada. Canada, yeah, Montreal. That, that scene just in bits every yep. single time I watch it. It's so funny. Um, you know, there's a one, so there's a wonderful moment there where he just where they go, oh, he says he's gay, and, he's, and they're like, oh, our, our daughter's gay, and he says, and the first time I watched it, it took me aback in a great way, and he says, mm. well, how's she doing? And they say, yeah, it's great, it's a bit difficult, and he goes, and how are you doing? That's beautiful. With it. Yeah. And I just thought it's such a beautiful piece of writing. Yeah, it's so, so empathetic, and it's so understanding of the situation but then I also love that her parents are just like this is just who she is there's Mm. no shame or big deal or anything like that you know I think especially as an English person we're taught to believe that in a Catholic society that's the worst thing that could ever happen and and everybody's just like yeah she's she's a lesbian it's fine and I just I just absolutely love that I think it's beautiful and I think it's such wonderful messaging um I could talk about Claire forever, but we've got other people to talk about. <laughs> um, and then we've got Michelle. Who's just... the, the Michelle makes me laugh so much. She's also the voice of, like, of realism. She yes. says it like it is, you know? Like, I... I her line, when she's taught... When they're, they're studying for their exams, Claire's off her baps on, I don't know, 27 cans of Red Bull or something, you know shaking like a shitting dog uh, and and little James is freaking out and and then Michelle goes what is about the f- oh yeah Claire goes about the famine and uh, oh. and Claire, and Claire uh, uh, Michelle goes yeah we get the gist they ran out of spuds everyone was raging <laughs> and I honestly I thought I was I I I genuinely remember laughing so loud, and then poor James was like, "Well, I don't know my rebellion from this." And then Michelle's like, "If you'd stopped invading us for five fucking minutes, you know," and it's just those references, but yeah. it's all true, you know. These beautiful little lines where you think you are genius, or even 
so spot on because she talks about, you know, the first episode where she's introduced and it's, you know, she's quoting uh, Pulp Fiction and, you know, motherfucker this and motherfucker that. And, uh, and she uh, she says, oh, they're like, what are you talking about? She goes, oh, I watched this film last night. My dad got it off Pirate Pauline. Well, I I knew that was it for me once that, because in our community, we all have a name for somebody, you know, somebody who does a bit of dodgy dealing. You know, I'm not going to say his first name. Uh, I, I'm not going to say any name, but like the local drug dealer, very clear who his name is. There's everybody has a nickname. And when I heard my dad got it off Pirate Pauline, I was like, yes, that is so spot on. Michelle, Michelle is... A, you, my favorite character, Michelle, Sarah, Michelle. sister yeah. Michael. Yeah. Well, that's go, so Michelle. Going. Michelle's one of my favorite characters as well, and I think the genius of Michelle is she could be so surface level, but it's exactly what you said. She gets it. She gets their everyday situation. I think mm-hmm. more than the others, she's more tuned I into agree. it. And we find out in the final series that her brother is imprisoned for mm-hmm. killing someone. So she's had it's had a real impact on her life and she she is very much like our lives are pretty shit I want to live my life I want to ride the hot guys I want to get drunk (laughs) I just want to hang out my friends and have a wild time but she also often she's right we only live once but she also often brings the group back like in terms of excuse me in terms of focusing on what is going on with her lives because she isn't a, I say it how it is person because I hate those people because what they really mean is I'm an absolute dickhead. Mm. She's not that, but she does say it, say it how it is. But she also cares. Like she cares about the group and cares about her. She cares about James. Like yeah. in the second season oh. and and he's going to leave and she oh. is devastated. devastated. Yeah. And she, she speaks to him how the group would speak to him, but they don't have the words to say that. And yeah. even in season True. three, when he mm. when he kisses Erin because he fancies Erin and Erin fancies him back, Michelle says, I cannot choose between my friend and my cousin. And in it's less true. good hands, it would just be like, oh, you're a boy, you're my cousin, you get lost. But it's not. She's like, you no. are all an essential part of my life. Yeah. You know? And I think that's really special writing for a character, which leads us on to James, who is the... English boy who comes over to Derry. James, bless him. Oh, <laughs> not only does Lord. everyone presume he's gay, which is hilarious, Correct. and he has to yeah. keep on saying that he's not. Yeah. But he's just like so overwhelmed by the yeah. world, but then completely in love with this group of girls. He's like, these are my friends. This is my found family. Even though, you know, he is a cousin mm-hmm. of, of Michelle. He's like, this is my found family. Yeah. And I my one of my favorite running jokes, well, apart from the English are pricks and they always say it about James, is how they say girls and he's included. In I, yeah. Girls. They it's never so dis- and but everybody says it. Yeah. You know, everybody says and he, and to each other. I just yeah, I love that. He's so sweet as well. He's so sweet. And he just, you know, the amount of things that he just doesn't get. <laughs> You know, it, 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 he looks like an alien that's just been dropped. <laughs> and and I think I, I love his character so much because he highlights things that are probably just not normal, that we grew up thinking were normal. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about the troubles or any of that. I'm talking about 
some of the aspects of religion, um, some of the words that are used, what's acceptable behaviour, what is not acceptable <laughs> behaviour. And, and James, even, even when he has a meltdown in the chip shop, like I was thinking about this the other day. James comes from England, say London. We don't think we're exactly sure. I assume London. I think um, I think they say that about his mum that she's come over from London. Oh, okay. But you have to remember, right? You think about that. He's grown up in London. He's got access to McDonald's, Wimpy probably in the 90s, whatever all these things were. We didn't have any of that. I certainly didn't. And so your fish and chip shop was it on a Friday night. You're not going to mess up. You're not going to mess up Fanula about. You're not going to disrespect her. There are no other takeaways. We had a Chinese takeaway. Chinese fish and chips. The 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 range was limited, and so whenever he has a meltdown, you know, and the family are horrified. What are you talking about, James? You can't be doing this, and because he's thinking. I just don't like it. But James, there is no other option, sweetheart. Like, this is what we got. And no, and no mommy's going to want to do, you know, a dinner of a Friday night. Like, fish and chips are it. Because that's historically, you know, Catholics uh, fast on a Friday and then it became not eating meat. So that's why fish and chips, it's a big thing in Upright. But that that's it. It's all these subtle nods to mm. religion. And, like, I, as as I, as you saw with my initial... Um, uh, the child of Prague. If that is like, going on social oh, media, everyone. That that actually might be the artwork for this episode. For sure. <laughs> well, we love a statue. Uh, we like to walk. Protestants like to march. But the thing is so funny that some of the some of the warden from religion, like Michelle, uh, whenever Fatboy Slim is coming to play in Derry and she sees his poster with him with the arms out raised in like the uh, the music shop and she says uh Norman we are not worthy you only say the word and we shall behave that is god that's actually from one of the end or the the end parts of like a catholic normal catholic mass of a sunday god we are not worthy to receive you it's about communion right that's what that's about and then she's translated it into, you know, fat boy slim. And I'm like, I can't believe she just said that. <laughs> or or Aaron and all were worrying about something. And I can't remember what it was, but Aaron goes, Don't worry about it. I asked my mom to light a candle. That's that solved everything here. Do you know if you were down the town and somebody said, Don't worry, went into the chapel, lit a candle, you're good. Or the punk purse, whenever they're going across the border, I mentioned that. My mummy had a pump purse or a change purse, as she used to call it, because obviously you go across the border, different um, currency, mad, but true. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, Aaron's mummy thinks she's lost the purse and she plays, prays to St. Anthony. Now, I don't go to church anymore. I'm, I'm a non-believer. However, if something was wrong with you, I probably would go and light a candle. Equally, equally. <laughs> I, or if you've lost something important, I would pray to St. Anthony and I know the prayer as well. And I know it in Irish. So, you know, you, you have these kind of um, entrenched uh, habits that you do. <laughs> Pardon the pun. I mean, we're going to spend the next 45 minutes just talking about characters if I do it this way, because I love them all. So I'll try and be quick. So, yeah. Oh, no, so, so Erin lives with her mum. 
Mary and her dad, Jerry, and her oh. granddad, Granddad Joe, but basically also lives with her aunt Sarah and, yeah. uh, and cousin Orla, who live next door but never seem to be in their own house. Yeah. Um, Sarah, <laughs> so, so they're like a huge part of the story. Mm. And then there is sister George Michael, which when that right. is revealed is one of the most amazing things ever. And like there's the arrested development joke of George Michael as well from that show. So like the idea of there being another oh. George Michael is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, who is just absolutely my favourite character. So she's the headmistress of the school. Mm-hmm. And she's just, she is so amazing. I mean, as she says herself, she's there because if you, if you joined, you became a nun, you got free accommodation. <laughs> It's a fair point. I love that. I love it so much. I love that we're not seeing the typical Irish nun that we see in our stories. I love that. I love that. And I think that's really important as well, that it's like, because especially in film and TV, we love a tragic Catholic Irish story Mm -hmm. where the nuns are evil and do terrible things. And Mm -hmm. this is just a nun who's like, yeah, this job's pretty cool. Uh, I don't really like kids, but I really like being a headmistress. But I, she also like really thinks she is changing the lives of these children. She is doing what's right. And I would say that she is. I would say that her mm. attitude is fantastic. She's awesome. Um, you know, I think if she wasn't a nut and if she wasn't in a habit, everyone would be like, she's a fantastic headmistress. Do you, 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 do you know I what do. I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. She's so brilliant. tell me why you love her, because otherwise I'll just talk and this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> why do I love her? I love, I don't say this lightly, I love everything about her. I love that she drives a DeLorean. I love that she hates Father Peter and oh, is not... Yes. She, I mean, the the snide remarks and one-liners are just beyond anything. I love the fact that, you know, the prefect, Jenny Joyce, she despises Jenny Joyce, right, you know. Rightly. She Absolutely. knows she's a spoiled little brat and she's like, I'm yeah. not having any of that. Yeah, Jenny will go foreign, like, but she will not be liked. Yes. And it's true. She said she's she's kind of the the nun version of Michelle, essentially. Mm. You know, they are very similar characters. And I would say Sister Michael could drop a few, you know, f bombs here and there. Oh, Let's be yeah, honest about it. Down. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I you were going to say drop kicks because she does judo, oh, which she is does. just like That's which right. is like my favorite like yeah. sub sub subplot that she just. Like it's like on a, one day of the week she goes like Friday or Thursday and she goes and That's does right. judo and I'm just like I love it it's just a little thing just dropped in yeah so good I I just love I mean do you remember the the trip to France and she was like I'm not going I don't like the French yeah. just she just says it like it is and I I think she's one of the funniest characters I've ever seen in any scene that she's in she just steals it. Absolutely. Um, I heart Sister Michael, and I never thought I'd say it about a nun. I've never <laughs> said it about a nun before, and I'll certainly never say it after. <laughs> She's my, the only nun for me. And had I had her for 14 years, I think my life would be in a very different trajectory. <laughs> very I different. Just, I just love that she's realistic about everything. And yeah. she owns who she is. And I think that's oh. also unusual for, for a female character, for mm. a female character that is a nun. 
I think mm-hmm. that's really unusual. She's just who she is. She is happy with who she is. Mm. She is proud of who she is. And mm-hmm. she doesn't let people derail that. She Ever. Yeah, ever. And she doesn't have any... She's just so comfortable with herself. And I, again, yeah. I think that's extraordinary. I think that is incredible writing for what is basically supposed to be a background character. And that's mm. what's so clever about this show, that every character I feel like I know from watching the show. Yeah, I, and I, sure. I feel like I would know exactly what Sister Michael does on her weekend, mm. which is ride around in her awesome DeLorean. Yep. Dropping t- truth bombs at people, but also yeah. just having a great time. Like, yeah. and people respect when she's in the video shop. And, um, oh, yeah. And, oh, uh, and I can't is remember it, his guy. What's his is name? Is it Declan? He's an Declan? absolute madman. Yes. Yeah, because he runs the little shop. He runs the wee shop. He loves he? the corner shop. That's right. Yeah, Dennis. That's it. Dennis. 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 I knew it was a D. I knew it was a D. And you were saying Dennis. Yeah. I was like, I've got to get there. I've got to get there, Dennis. And and like even he who shouts at all of his customers mm. and stuff like that. It's like, oh, I've got the latest Scorsese that's for so you. True. And I was yeah. like, that that is telling, and yeah. that that is just a throwaway line, and it tells you everything you need to know. I just lo- I just love it. I love that she has no time. Like when she's at the train station and she knows Claire wants to talk. Oh. She's she knows Claire. She knows Claire's yeah. going to talk. She's got no yeah. time for it. And then the woman in the in the like the train booth sure. is talking and just at the end she's like and you think she's gonna go up to her and go, You yeah. need to have more respect for yourself. Instead she's like, get the soundproofing sorted. Mm-hmm. I was like, again, everything you need to I yeah. love her so much. But you see with that particular one where they're all going to Port Rush for the day and uh, Claire's absolutely kicking it when she sees Sister Michael. But I would have been like Claire thinking, oh, God, you know, worried about seeing the teacher. Little so self-absorbed thinking the last thing they want to see is me as well. Whereas some teachers probably would have, you know, put a professional mask on or whatever. (laughs) Sister Michael's like, nah, no energy for you, love. Uh, you know, just forget about it. But she also, she's also there for, um, nobody makes her laugh. She laughs at people, yeah. but nobody makes her laugh. Yet, at the wake of uh, Mammy and Aunt Sarah's auntie, Uncle Colum makes her laugh. And that is just genius to me. And I, I love, I love that because, this is going to sound super weird, but one of the things I love most about being Irish and particularly being Irish Catholic and working class, probably, I think that probably is a, and come from a small community, is how we treat death. Now, I know that's super weird saying it, right? I hope to God nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> However, not, not for you, so you don't hear me say that, but I, I, I genuinely, they treat death in exactly in the show exactly how we do so i can tell you and this is the truth my uncle god rest him who passed away really suddenly probably the most devastating loss in my life his the weekend that he died ironically st patrick's day was without doubt one of the funniest weekends of my life now how do you have that kind of dichotomy of experience because we know the death is about a community celebrating how yeah. you've lived and if you've lived well. But also, 
I need to tell a story that really probably would have featured in the Dairy Girls. Is this me digressing too much? No, no, I love it. I want it. Okay. This is, so my version of Michelle, Naomi, was driving and my uncle had passed away and we come from a massive family. My dad's the eldest of nine and my uncle Paul um, passed away and we were all going up to the morgue to collect his body and the priest was there saying prayers over his body and we were all devastated and there was like a, a fleet of cars so the morgue is in a town seven miles away from our hometown and we were all at the morgue the priest had completed his prayers and then uncle paul was put into the back of the hearse and left the hospital and he was being driven home by the funeral directors so myself, my cousin Naomi, cousin Paul, cousin Connor. There's a theme here. You can continue to see the connection. There are a lot of cousins. The four of us were about to get in the car. Um, I was a social smoker, but they had all sparked up. So I was like, the stress levels were through the roof. We'll all stop and have a puff. And we're all saying how much we loved them, how much we missed them, blah, blah, blah. Not blah, blah, blah. Sorry, Paul. A lot more than that. A lot of emotions. Mean, so... Um, Anyway, we were got in the car. Naomi drives quite fast. There's context to this. And we were driving through the town of Newry to get to our town. And um, the edge of Newry, there's a big roundabout and then a dual carriageway. So we were driving and Naomi, I thought, was driving quite fast. Probably too much when you consider the nickname of her car was the shitbox. And um, we looked up and we saw a hearse. And we saw our Uncle Paul's coffin in the back. And my uncle, Robbie, who, as they say in Northern Ireland, kicks with the other foot, so he was raised Protestant, overtook the hearse, which is the biggest... Don't do that. Never do that. Never, Never, ever, ever. And so Paul, his son was in the car and Paul's from Belfast. And he was talking with a strong Belfast accent. He was going, I can't believe daddy did that. What the hell was he thinking about? And blah, blah, blah. So we knew we said, oh, I'll pull back. Like really, really pulled back. And was the first car then immediately behind the hearse. It's six miles down the road as we, and obviously the hearse was not going at speed. We got into our town and a real sign of respect in in our town, what lots of people do, and I'm sure it probably happens in other towns up and down Ireland, is that people, shop owners come and stand outside their shop and they pull down the shutters and they wait for the hearse to pass. So the fire station, my uncle was only in his 40s. And so a lot of the firemen knew him. So they were all standing outside the fire station, people standing outside. So we were following the cortege and um, there are two turnoffs that you can take to my uncle's house. One is off the main street and we were driving behind and the first turnoff, the hearse didn't turn off. And we started to get really emotional because they decided the hearse to drive on down to the seafront. So we live on the coast and we thought they were giving them a last kind of view of the coast and we were in floods of tears. How many of me drove the car? I don't even know. And there's another turnoff that you could take, but it's quite a tight corner. I wouldn't take it if I was driving a hearse. Then the main, the second, proper second turnoff, the hearse just drove on. And I was like, why did the hearse just drive on? 
And we, the four of us looked at each other and said, they couldn't be giving him a spin out to Restraver, could they? Because that was the next time, three miles out the road. I said, God, that's a bit weird. It's nice, but it's a bit weird. So we kept on driving. Yeah, I know what everybody's going to be like at this point in time. I think I know the answer to this. Us four bimbos did not know the answer until we drove into the other town. And the hearse swung round the roundabout and started to go back to Warren Point. And we were like, oh, my God, thank God they finished their spin. You know, we've taken them for a wee spin. No, no, what we forgot is at the entrance to the, the kind of village next to us um, is a Protestant church. And we looked behind and there were a fleet of cars of Protestant families literally cursing us in and out of hell. And we started driving back to Warren Point to my uncle's house where the body was supposed to be received. And our phones all started to go. And we all entered. And it was family members going, you've just been spotted driving out of Warren Point following the wrong hearse. Is this for fucking real? And we started to laugh. And I, do you know when you start to laugh and you start to cry and you can't even speak? And I was just like, I literally cannot believe this has just happened. And we got back to my uncle's house and only that I, when we are, when I laugh, I look like I'm crying. We got in and literally auntie's uncles were slapping the head of us going, you stupid, useless fucker. What were you thinking? And we were like, we thought we were taking it for a spin. Have you ever heard of a course, course being taken for a spin? We were like, we didn't know useless bastards the laddie get out of our sight and I was like oh. it was as um, soon as you said that like, you're all emotional because they're like that's so wonderful they're taking him to the coast I was like oh no oh that's no oh happening. no so so when the dairy girls were Michelle brought the scones or as the English would say uh, scones the, sc- uh, the scones with drugs in them that was not that was not beyond the realm of possibility to me. I know that that was kind of nearly strain and a farce, but for me, that was absolutely one of the funniest episodes because it it brought together the two biggest social gatherings in Ireland, a wedding and a funeral. And like, you're going to get the big numbers for both those things, you know, especially if you're from a big Catholic family like mine. So I, I think that's one of my, I, I think we should do another episode because this one's about characters and we haven't talked about. Do an episode. Yeah, we haven't talked about character relationships. We haven't talked about our favourite episodes. Oh, we dear. I can't even pin down my favourite series. Oh, well, so funny enough, talking about favourite episodes, we were having a discussion earlier in the week and I was saying, I just cannot decide my favourite episode at all. And for season two, I was like, you know, I think it's the final episode just because I cried so much. But then on rewatch, it is the episode you're talking about. So it's episode four, The Curse. And it starts with the wedding, a huge celebration. And... (laughs) Rock the boat, don't forget, rock Rock the boat. boat. And Erin's mum. Laughing. This is terrible podcasting. And Erin's mum gets in a fight with her aunt. Auntie. Yeah. yeah, with her auntie. And her auntie has a heart attack and dies at the wedding. Yeah. And so the very next sort of like scene is the funeral. But not only is it hilarious, but it I think it's I th- so I have a whole thing with funerals, which is 
I really don't like that funerals are time to be sad. I think they should be a I celebration see. of life. Okay. Um, I very much, when I die, I don't particularly want a funeral, but if people need that for closure, I'm fine with them doing that. But I want it to be a celebration of my life. I don't want it okay. to be people being sad. I want it to be like, do you remember when we did this funny thing or that yeah. was awesome or this wonderful time we had together? Yeah. And I think this episode reflects that. You know, yeah. and people are sad, but they're not scared of the body. No. Apart from poor James, who's like, Guys, there's Freaking just out. a dead body here. What is going on? And I, but I love that. I love that the girls are like, well, this is just her, and she lived her life, and we're just saying goodbye to her. And they're not scared of it, and they understand mm-hmm. that death is a normal thing. And I feel like the death is a celebration. I mean, the funniest through line joke is about how she cursed her, which is just amazing. What's happening? Like, I don't remember. So they say, um, they say that Mary, so Erin's mum cursed her aunt because she yeah. had her and she died so then at the funeral there's just like a running joke which is that she cursed her and oh, so the girls sure. are scared like they're doing the washing up because they're oh, like oh yes. my god my mum could curse people I, and for me it's one of the funniest jokes that. in the whole whole three series for sure. For um, sure. because it comes up later as well in season three which and I love a long joke payoff so in season three um I can't remember what episode it is but they're talking about it might be the reunion episode and um and auntie sarah says oh like says something about how she's got cursing powers or something like that so it's a great food so it's like great pay off oh, later on i'm gonna have to rewatch that to find that i didn't i didn't clock that <laughs> it's so oh. good so so like i think for me mm-hmm. it's such a great episode because it handles i mean first of all we get the opening of uh sarah walking down the aisle oh. in a white dress and then being obsessed with mary's hat which again it's just a joke that floors me but it also has some of the best jerry stuff in it so we talked about this as well like jerry is one of my favorite secondary characters i know he i is, think yeah. he's so funny and yes. his delivery, his face, just I just love it. It's so hilarious. And I often feel like I would be the Jerry in this situation. I'd be like going, what is, what are you all talking about? <laughs> like, Absolutely. what are you all on about? And so I really love that. And I just think him and Sarah are fan, like any scene with the two of them, I'm just just absolutely laughing mm-hmm. Sarah's funny. engagement where oh Sarah makes God. Jerry break up with Kieran for her oh and he does God, it but this so is the good. thing with Jerry he does it he always does yeah. it yeah, oh, no, he's, sure he's does. just he's a beautiful man I love and, him and, and, and funny that episode is my favourite episode of season three as well Halloween is, is my favourite episode yeah oh absolutely. it's phenomenal yeah because um uh, what do you call her? Nicola Coughlin, the character that yeah. uh, Claire, Claire, Claire. Sorry, that was the actress Claire, and she gets her first kiss. And although Michelle wants to absolutely throttle her for you know the the fact that they didn't get Fat Boy Slim, the joy that she experiences because she got her first lesbian kiss is ju- not even a lesbian. It's just her first kiss ever. Yeah, and they're so happy for her, and that's why. I think Michelle, although she could be, as I say, and goes around here a bit of a hard ticket, she is she's got a heart of gold and she loves her friends. And I I just I just think the inter I be honest with you, I would have loved friendships like that when I was younger. I have them now and I am forever grateful. And actually my cousins, I was the Claire and most of them were Michelle's. <laughs> and 
they were all like the next level, Michelle. So they were all clean mad. So I was kind of a bit, not willingly um, an individual on my own, but I was an individual on my own. We kind of, you know, I moved in and out of their circle, whereas now I will never move from their circle. We are, I I am, I, I, incidentally, Claire, I am the wee gay one in our family. So, <laughs> so there's so many threads to it. And, and also had I, I, I wish that I would have had a friendship group or the bravery like Claire to come out at that point in my life. I left it, wait for it, another 15 years after that to actually be like, oh, hey guys, I'm coming out of the closet. Um, so, I really hope you said it like that as well. Um, I don't, that was sarcasm. <laughs> I think I probably, there were, I mean, if you don't laugh at yourself. Exactly. Also, right. if you laugh at yourself first, that gives others permission to laugh at you. True, very so, true. That is an approach. So, um, but yeah, no, just such an awesome show. I'm just blown away. I love it so much. Okay, so let's let's leave it here for now. And then I reckon, so we started talking touching on favorite episodes so mm. let's say this is part one and then everybody can come and listen to part two which will probably be out the very next day because this is such an amazing conversation and we'll touch on friendship community being a teenager in the 90s which mm. i think we absolutely need to talk about i thought you were younger than me so i'm very excited that we're the same oh age. you all flirt thank you yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so inside i'm old that. and decrepit but yes. <laughs> yeah yeah so thank you so much for joining me for this. Oh. I can't wait to talk to you some more about everything else in the show. This is when we end up having a part three, but mm-hmm. I'm sure everybody listening will agree with me that this has just been such an amazing chat. So thank you. We're not even like... like Scratch the surface. Like, I know. It's so amazing. I know. I'll bring the hooch next time, though, and <laughs> we can get stuck in. I want more religious relics and iconography as well. Thank you. Uh- Next time you'll get to see the Sacred Heart of Jesus. So Amazing. maybe that'll be, yeah. Do you know the way like uh, Banksy has his, <laughs> uh, or like Rene Margrit, is that what it is? <laughs> the bowler hat with the apple. Mine will be a fedora, but with a, you know, a Catholic icon. So I you're welcome. so much. Wonderful. Uh, yeah. And Thank I feel you like... for a lovely experience, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. And I feel like there's going to be more stories, which I'm very excited about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, everybody, you'll hear us again in part two. More Dairy Girls. I knew this would happen because it's too much to talk about, but it's very exciting. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Bye.